Hello everyone and welcome to the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. Nothing is off limits here, all topics are welcome. I am your host, Amelia Victoria. Now let's get this show on the road. Hello beautiful people and welcome to the first episode of the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. Thank you for joining me for episode one and joining me on this wild and wonderful ride of podcasting. I feel like I've procrastinated this for so long now, so it's exciting that it's finally happening, but I feel like we should just start with a bit of backstory first. So the whole reason that I wanted to start this podcast is because I feel like podcasting is a very real and raw platform, and that's what I'm all about. Some of you may know me as Amelia Victoria on Instagram, but I feel like the majority of you will know me as living with endometriosis with a double underscore. So if you do follow my endometriosis page, you'll know how real and raw I am. Literally, my whole life is an open book. There's no secrets. And I do go into a lot of detail about things that have happened with me, especially with my endometriosis journey, with pregnancy, with mental health. It's a total open book. And that's what I want this podcast to be. So I want it to be real conversations, real topics, All people are welcome, all guests are welcome, and I just want it to essentially be like you're having a chat with your friends in your room and just having a good chit chat. So that is what I want this podcast to be all about. Of course, we're going to definitely be diving into a lot of endometriosis talk, parenthood talk, mental health talk, body image talk social media talk, like there's so much that I want to touch on, dive into. I want to dive into more chronic illnesses that I want others to share their story on or give a bit of an insight to because essentially this is all about awareness as well. Podcasting, I feel like it's such a large platform to share such great awareness. So that's what I want this to be about. So thank you for joining me, but I'm just going to dive into a little bit of my story just in case you're wondering who I am or what I'm all about. So let's kick things off with my name. I am Amelia and I'm 27 from Sydney, Australia. I'd like to say I'm a relatively new mama, but I don't think I am anymore. I mean, my son is 14 months old. His name is Easton and I also have a partner, a fiance, and his name is Blake. So you'll definitely hear quite a bit about them throughout some episodes in the podcast, especially when we dive into relationships and parenthood with chronic illnesses. So that is me in a smaller bubble, a mama and a partner, but in a larger bubble, I'm all about advocacy work, especially regarding endometriosis and mental health. The whole reason that I started living with endometriosis is because I wanted to help as many people as I could. I knew so little about endometriosis during my diagnosis journey, and I felt quite alone. I didn't know anyone else that had endometriosis. I had barely even heard of the word. So that was the whole reason that I started the Instagram page, Living With Endometriosis, to help people feel like they're not alone, to go to a safe space. I just wanted my page to be a safe space for everyone. Alrighty guys, let's take things back. We're going to try and fit some of my journey into this episode. So we're going back to my teen days. 
It all started pretty much when I was 13. I got my first period and from the first period, I knew something wasn't right. No one around me experienced period pain the way I did. I was vomiting. I had diarrhea. I had abdominal pain, pelvic pain. I was hunched over constantly. I would have to cancel dancing sometimes. I was missing out on school. There were just normal day-to-day activities as a teenager that I couldn't do anymore, especially around my period. So from then, I knew something wasn't right. I presented to the doctor with my pain and symptoms a numerous amount of times. I'd always get brushed off with the comments like periods aren't meant to be fun or of course periods are going to be painful or simply that I had a low pain tolerance. So for years this stuck with me in the back of my head and it really did kind of stop me from wanting to get more help. But at the age of 16 I decided enough was enough and I went and seeked another opinion and of course... I was told the same things or recommended the pill. So at 16, I decided I'm going to try the pill and hope for the best. But unfortunately for me, my pill experience wasn't the most positive. I was told that I needed to give it a good amount of time before my body adjusted to it. So I stayed on the pill for about a year and then it just wasn't doing anything for my pain. There were some months where I could skip my periods if my bleeding was too heavy. So I did that, but for my pain, it didn't really help. So I decided to come off the pill at around 17, give my body a break and see how my body adjusted. Unfortunately, nothing improved. My symptoms just got worse. So it was kind of like a battle. Do I try a different pill? Do I go on the pill again? What do I do? So I went on the same pill again at 19 that I took when I was 16. And unfortunately, the side effects this time around weren't any better. If anything, they were worse. Trying the pill for the second time around unfortunately didn't agree with my mental health. So I decided that I wanted to stop that pill and then I went back to the doctor and of course I was recommended a different pill. So I tried that because I felt like I was all out of options and again, like the story goes, that pill just didn't work well with my body. So by 19, I felt like I had just exhausted all my options and that there was no help for me in managing my pain and symptoms. During this time, it was a bit of an isolating time for me. I felt really alone. I didn't know anyone around me who was experiencing what I was, and I didn't know who to go to for help. So it was a really lonely time for me. And of course, I was scared. I didn't know what my future looked like. I didn't know how much worse I was going to get or if I was ever going to get better. So by 21, that's exactly what happened. My symptoms got worse. And every month I was ending up in the emergency room with no answers every time. It was either being downplayed by a stomach bug or I was getting looked at for appendicitis or I was being told that I had bad constipation. So every month I was walking away with no answers again and it really did become quite deflating. My now fiance and I were quite new dating at this point, but I ended up in hospital this month and this was actually the first time that my mum and him were going to meet at the 
hospital, of course, me with my period in a really bad flare up in a really bad state, but it was honestly so perfect and exactly the way I now believe it was meant to turn out. And this was actually the visit that I first heard the word endometriosis. So I just happened to get lucky with a nurse that came around who was looking after me and said, hey, have you ever heard of endometriosis? Of course, we all just look at each other and we're like, what is endometriosis? Mum and I automatically start Googling and there you have it. I have all the symptoms of endometriosis. So to my mother and I, I guess we were just shell-shocked because I had all the symptoms, yet we had never heard of this word for so many years. And that's kind of where the journey really kicked off for my diagnosis. The hospital that afternoon referred me to see a gynecologist that I ended up going to a few days later. And this first gynecologist that I seen just was not it. It was not the most pleasant visit. He rushed through the appointment. There was no information given to me on endometriosis. All he told me was that he wanted to perform a laparoscopy. If there was any endometriosis found, perform ablation and insert the marina. So I left this appointment feeling a little bit uneasy. There was just no information given to me, even about the marina or anything like that. It was simply just what he was going to do and not if I was okay with going through these steps. So, of course, my mum and I go back that night and start Dr. Google again, but this time we were looking for an endometriosis specialist. So, not a regular gynecologist, we upped the ante and went endo specialist. And this is when I found who I like to call my godsend because he literally has changed my life. And this is when things started to take a turn for the better, of course. But of course, there were some bumps along the way. We called his practice and of course, there was a long waiting list of six months, but I was put on a cancellation list and a miracle happened. He had a cancellation in a few weeks. So of course, I jumped at it and I couldn't wait to begin this new road and this new journey to hopefully get some relief. Now, don't get me wrong, there were a few bumps along the way. For example, I was training with my PT in Bondi. Now that's an hour away from where I live. So these sort of episodes have happened to me before, especially around exercise, but I never knew that it was due to endometriosis, of course. So I experience flare-ups around intense exercise, and that's something that we've now learned and now understand but it was a regular training session and I just started to feel an immense amount of pain to the point where I needed to say, stop, we can't continue this session. I just need to go home. Luckily that day, my mum was with me in Bondi. And as I was leaving the session, I was walking on the street in Bondi. And of course I pass out due to how much pain I'm in. My mom rushes me to the hospital, the nearest hospital, which is, yes, an hour away from me and takes me to emergency. Of course, I present with all my symptoms and little did I know this is actually the hospital where my, well, who was going to be my endospecialist performs surgery out of. So they actually have a whole designated ward once you're admitted to endometriosis. And it was like a new world to me. I couldn't believe that for all these years I suffered all this pain and 
here an hour away from me there was a hospital who specialized in what I had. I spent two nights in hospital there just trying to manage what we call a flare-up. It was a really bad flare-up for me, so I actually missed the Ed Sheeran concert. I was meant to go to the Ed Sheeran concert with my partner, and he ended up having to take his mum because I couldn't go. I was stuck in hospital. He wanted to come and just be in hospital with me the whole time, but I said, no, no, please go and enjoy this concert. It was a very sad day for both of us, but I need him to go and enjoy this concert. If not, I would never forgive myself. So of course he was sending me videos while I was there, which made me feel so much better. And he was there with me the next morning straight away, of course. But it was just, that was another moment that I realized that this disease really does affect everyday life. And when you least expect it, it's such an unpredictable disease and can flare up at any time. So during this hospital stay, I also had an ultrasound done and the sonographer that was doing my ultrasound actually specialized in endometriosis. So she knew exactly what to look for. Now let's dive into this a little more. Deep infiltrating endometriosis can show up on ultrasounds, but not all endometriosis. So in my case, I didn't have any endometriosis show up on my ultrasound, but I had a lot of red flags that indicated endometriosis. For example, my ovaries weren't mobile. So that's one of the red flags to look out for. And she explained everything to me. So walking away from that, I knew that a surgery really needed to be scheduled. That next week, it was finally time for my appointment with my endometriosis specialist, and it was everything I had hoped for. He was kind, he was patient, he was willing to listen, he made all my feelings feel valid as well as my pain, and it was honestly something that I had longed for for so many years. So my gut feeling just knew that he was the right specialist for me, and this is one of my main tips, I think, when I speak to someone who's going through a diagnosis, is make sure you feel comfortable with your specialist. Don't be scared to get second opinions or third opinions because you just never know. And there is a specialist out there for you. You just definitely have to find the right one. Alrighty, so from there, it was agreed by my surgeon, myself, my parents, and Blake, of course, that I needed to undergo this laparoscopy ASAP. In my case, I needed to have a colonoscopy and gastroscopy done before I could even be considered for a laparoscopy. So for two weeks, I was experiencing vomiting and diarrhea, and they really needed to rule out anything that could be happening in that area. So unfortunately, bowel cancer does run in my family, and that needed to be ruled out as well as things like Crohn's disease. Now, of course, with surgeries come waiting lists, and sometimes with waiting lists, you don't have that option to wait that long. So to speed up the process, you can go through the private system. So all my surgeries were done private because the waiting lists were just too long, but with going private also comes a really big price list. So unfortunately, I wasn't in a financial situation to pay for these surgeries. I had just been let go from one of my jobs. I had two jobs at the time. One was a dance teacher, which I'd done for 11 years, and they were the most supportive company and supported me through my whole journey. On the other hand, I was at another job for around four years. And in this company, I 
did multiple roles and they let me go for the reason um, who was going to do my job when I was sick. So that really did affect me a lot mentally. It affected my confidence. I was just obviously devastated that I lost this job. I loved this job so much. So I was already going through a lot emotionally being tested for things like bowel cancer and Crohn's disease and this on top of everything. It just really did affect me a lot. But I do believe everything happens for a reason and things worked out exactly the way they were meant to. But yeah, it was a really scary time going through all these surgeries. So finally, my colonoscopy and gastroscopy was scheduled. Everything ran smoothly with that surgery and everything came back clear. I was so relieved and now I could finally undergo my laparoscopy. The lead up to my surgery was obviously very intense. I was feeling a lot of emotions. I was very anxious, nervous, scared, but all in all, I was trying to stay positive and be ready to finally get some answers after all these years. So I woke up from surgery and I finally heard the words, we found endometriosis and we got rid of it. I was diagnosed with stage two, almost stage three endometriosis, and I felt like the world had literally been lifted off my shoulders. So my surgeon only performed excision surgery and I stayed in the hospital for two nights. I did have a little bit of complications with my bladder after surgery, but they seemed to think that that was more from the catheter removal. I developed what was called a lazy bladder, so I couldn't wee on my own and they couldn't let me go until I could do that because they were performing a procedure called in and outs until then. So they just insert a little mini catheter, they drain my bladder, and that was the only way I could drain my bladder. But I finally got my bladder working and I was able to go home. In terms of pain management, they managed my pain so well in the hospital and I needed to kind of continue that process once leaving the hospital. And I did. I took it easy on myself. I didn't rush the process of healing. I know that internal healing takes so much longer than external healing. I was also made aware by my surgeon that the next couple of periods are probably going to be so intense because there's so much internal healing happening. So I knew I really needed to be easy on myself and patient with myself. After surgery, the next important thing to look into was my fertility. So I was 24 when I got diagnosed and my surgeon gave us the recommendation that I only possibly have till the age of 30 to have my babies. So that was a really big wake up call for Blake and myself we really needed to have some serious conversations. When I first met Blake, he didn't want babies. He didn't want to get married. But as the saying goes, when you find the right one, you just know. And now the rest is history, I guess. We're engaged and we do have our little son, Easton. But to hear that we only had until the age of 30 was a really scary time. Especially for myself, I always wanted to be a mother, being a dance teacher for so many years. I couldn't wait till I could have babies of my own. 
in this situation, I really needed the green light from Blake. I needed to know he wanted to have babies or he was ready to have babies. I do believe that obviously having a baby is such a big partnership and I just needed to know he was ready. So on Valentine's Day, Blake actually surprised me with a present. He was in Japan, but he got his brother to drop off a present to me at my work and it was a baby fun box which had money already inside it to start saving for our baby and also a gold plated rose which stood for everlasting love. So that was the green light, that was the go ahead and we started officially trying when I was six months recovered from my laparoscopy. So for me it felt like the perfect time, my body felt so much better, I had gotten some relief from the excision surgery, there were even some periods that were pain free and I just felt like it was a new life. So from six months I felt ready to try and fall pregnant. The trying to conceive journey itself is such a roller coaster. Physically, mentally, emotionally, it's just so up and down. The recommendation was given by my surgeon to try naturally for at least 12 months before we consider IVF. So we got to the nine month mark when we fell pregnant naturally, but that month we were actually looking into IVF already because we were getting so close to the 12 month mark and just seeing the negative pregnancy tests each month definitely started to weigh on us. So we did look into IVF a little bit earlier at that nine month mark, just to be prepared for the 12 month mark. But it just so happens that that nine month mark, we were actually blessed in falling pregnant with our little miracle boy now named Easton. Pregnancy was quite the journey also. I was a high-risk pregnancy and I had quite a few complications along the way. So it was a very magical and beautiful but also uncertain nine months. And I went through a lot of emotions during that nine months. But then obviously you have the birth of your beautiful baby, which also is so magical, but in our case, unfortunately, was a very traumatic day for us as well. We went through quite a traumatic birth, traumatic for everyone, myself, for Blake, I'm sure for Easton as well. And that itself will probably touch on on a whole nother episode because there's so much to dive into there. And of course, the postpartum journey, so much to touch on. It's been such a journey for me. I've been quite open about my struggles with postpartum depression, anxiety, as well as learning to manage my endometriosis all over again. I cannot wait to dive into these topics and conversations more, of course, with some special guests. But this is me wrapping up the first episode of the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining my journey. I cannot wait to bring you guys more episodes. But until then, I hope you guys are having the most beautiful day no matter where you are in the world. And I will speak to you all in the next episode.